Hey everyone, Joe Gonzalez here from Tobin Tuesdays, brought to you by the Manitoban here on 101.5 UMFM. Before we start the show, I just wanted to take a moment to let everyone know that this week at UMFM is Pledgerama. Now, for those who don't know what Pledgerama is, essentially this week, up until October 19th, you can call, go online, or come here directly to the office located at the University of Manitoba campus to make a small donation in support of UMFM. UMFM offers different incentive levels for the amount of donation you make, or you can just ask for a tax receipt. The Manitoban is grateful to UMFM, obviously, for giving us a half hour to bring in the news and a new form of content for readers of the Manitoban. So if you like the show or if you're a fan of any other show on UMFM, you want to show your support and you have the ability to do so, you can make a donation and show your support. The number to call if you want to make a donation through the phone lines is 204-474-6610. That's 204-474-6610. Now, Tobin Tuesdays is pre-recorded, so I'm not here live to take your phone calls, but there are volunteers here to take your pledge if you would like to do so during the showtime. That's 204-474-6610. With that being said, let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 3 of Tobin Tuesdays, brought to you by the Manitoban Hero 101.5 UMFM. Today is October 16th, 2018, and I'm your host, Joe Gonzalez. On today's episode, we feature interviews from U of M spokesperson John Danakis, Manitoba NDP leader Wab Kanu, UMSU president Jacob Sanderson, one of the editors from the feminist and queer review Adriana King, head of the Women and Gender Studies program here at the University of Manitoba, Shauna Ferris, promotion and outreach coordinator from the Office of Sustainability, Christine Nairn, and a couple students from the student body. October 17, 2018 will mark a historical event in Canada as the legalization of marijuana will finally be put into place. This obviously lends itself to a lot of questions across institutions, the university being one of them. As of right now, the policy for the University of Manitoba is that students will not be allowed to use marijuana on campus. Provincial legislation also prevents the growth and sale of cannabis on campus, including in dorms. Healthy U, a volunteer-based peer-to-peer health education service on campus, will be available to answer questions students may have about cannabis use. Students are invited to visit the service if they are looking for counseling services. Healthy U will also direct students who are concerned about their cannabis use to helpful resources. Our news and managing editor, Malak Abbas, spoke with U of M spokesperson John Danakis to quickly discuss the policy involving security surrounding cannabis use. As of right now, no new policies will be put into place. This story is one of the many cannabis-based pieces we have published in our upcoming edition of The Manitoban. Be sure to look out for the upcoming edition to be released on the same day as legalization. That's tomorrow, Wednesday, October 17th. The policies around uh, cannabis use because of legalization of cannabis you know, are being further clarified and you know, the university will be monitoring um, the impact of the legalization uh, and, you know, stay on top of that in terms of making adjustments to the policy. Right. Now, the, the questions you're asking about, you know, how do you react to the to the use of, um, that I'm, you know, telling you very clearly, just, you know, um, the focus is more so on behaviors that, you know, might uh, harm individuals, uh, you know, that result from abuse rather than on, you know, the action itself, and that in dealing with the action itself, it's, it's you know, the same disciplinary processes that are in place now for abuse of substances, right. and so that would be, like, kind of a case-by-case. It could be, 
responding to disciplinary action of some sort. And then overall, you know, there, the policy around cannabis use, you know, is so there are, you know, there are some, you know, clarifications in there, like because of the legalization. I, I, you know, the answers that I'm giving you on those two questions that you gave me, new disciplinary pro, uh, processes being put in place and with the disciplinary, that's very clear. No new disciplinary and, you know, no, it wouldn't necessarily be the same. You know, it, it, you know, it depends on the case. Now, for those who don't know, the Manitoban has actually had its own show previously, all through 101.5 UMFM. UMFM has been a huge supporter of us in providing a new way for students at the University of Manitoba to get their news, but also of students in general who are willing to test their chops at hosting their own show. Now, before Tobin Tuesdays, I actually hosted an hour by myself where I literally rambled about sports and odd news, and I threw some hip-hop music in between. It, It wasn't the greatest, but... UMFM was there to give an hour to a student like myself to see, you know, what hosting a radio show was all about. So by supporting UMFM during this week of Pledgerama, you not only support the Manitobans' continuance of its new show, but you support the students that volunteer here and, you know, embark on this new radio journey. But larger than that, you also support every other host that's been here for 5, 10, 15 years, and more volunteers here helping to bring you talk shows on topics of all kinds and music of all different genres. So remember, you can make a donation at umfm.com donate. You can come directly here to the UMFM offices located at the University of Manitoba campus, or you can call at 204-474-6610. That's 204-474-6610. Poverty History and what we're doing today. So Make Poverty History is a coalition of groups, of individuals, of people with lived experience, and many people from across our city and province working together to end poverty in Manitoba. We are hundreds of us. There's members, there's people with lived experience hosting today's event. Today we are calling for serious and meaningful action now to end poverty, both from our city and our provincial government. We know that it's tied together and we're not letting anybody off the hook. People have probably seen in the media... What you're hearing right now is audio from a rally that occurred on October 11th, 2018, organized by Make Poverty History Manitoba. With an upcoming municipal election and the province of Manitoba now a year and a half overdue on releasing their poverty reduction plan, a violation of provincial legislation, their message is simple enough. Serious action is needed now from both the municipal and provincial government to reduce and end poverty here in Winnipeg. On May 2nd, 2018, Make Poverty History Manitoba published a report titled Winnipeg Without Poverty, Calling on the City to Lead. The report details their findings of research done on poverty in Winnipeg, plans that are currently being undertaken in cities like Edmonton and Calgary to reduce poverty, and a list of recommendations they believe the city of Winnipeg should take as a blueprint to begin the process of poverty reduction. The report finds that, across Canada, Cities generally subscribe to three basic approaches to a poverty reduction plan. These are 1. City-led with no apparent political champion, 2. Community-led with no apparent political champion, or 3. Mayor as champion. Having a mayor as champion provides political leadership for a plan. Calgary and Edmonton have both implemented these sorts of approaches, the report finds. The mayors in these respective cities are taking responsibility where they have jurisdiction and are providing leadership in advocating for policy change with other levels of government. The hope is that Winnipeg can implement a similar approach. 
With groups like Make Poverty History Manitoba doing most of the heavy lifting, Winnipeg's approach can be best described as community-led with no apparent political champion. The city has previously responded to call for a plan by way of deferring to the Winnipeg Poverty Reduction Council. The WPRC does not have the power to make municipal policy or budgetary decisions that would make a meaningful impact on poverty. Only the mayor and council have this ability, the report notes. The report also finds that people living in poverty in Winnipeg have incomes that are more than 32% below commonly used poverty lines, and numerous groups live in poverty in Winnipeg, including Indigenous peoples, seniors, newcomers, and those with mental and or physical disabilities. They also note that it's important to realize that these groups aren't all neatly separated, and intersectionality does occur. For example, a person with a mental disability also identifying as a member of one or two other communities that are also at greater risk of poverty. They note that this is not to say that the city of Winnipeg hasn't been taking action at all. There is a list of initiatives that the city has taken, including over 3,000 free Winnipeg public library programs and a social worker at the Millennium Library, grant funding for sports programming in inner-city neighborhoods, including the North End Youth Free Boxing Program, grant funding for the Downtown Winnipeg Business Community Homeless Assistance Team Program and for the Main Street Project, as well as the Indigenous Youth Strategy which is well received by the community for supporting community-based programming, post-secondary education, and employment development opportunities for Indigenous youth. However, as the report notes, when comparing the list of actions the City of Winnipeg has done compared to the package of actions taken by other municipalities with poverty reduction plans, Winnipeg's list lacks comprehensiveness and ambition. The City continues to use an ad hoc method rather than an intentional strategy that guides planning and priorities. The report concluded with hopes that a Mayor's Champion plan can be enacted sooner rather than later, as well as the passing of a motion to develop a task force made up of individuals such as those who have lived experience of poverty, as well as the community leaders that work directly with those in need. That can oversee the creation of a poverty reduction plan. They recommend that progress indicators be put in place with targets and timelines, as well as communication across municipal departments to keep everyone accountable in enacting a poverty reduction plan. Our news and managing editor, Malak Abbas, attended the Make Poverty History Manitoba rally on October 11, 2018, and spoke with Manitoba NDP leader Wab Kanu and current UMSU president Jacob Sanderson to give their thoughts surrounding poverty in Winnipeg. It means uh helping people cope with addictions and that's a that's a long-term challenge people need to be able to deal with trauma i think also job opportunities are super important everybody who wants to work should be able to work and we should be doing a lot to change the way welfare keeps people down we should be eliminating the welfare wall and giving more assistance to people so that they can um, have dignity and give themselves a hand up in life. So there's a lot of different things that could happen. We are going to be losing um, covered health care. Um, this year the university is covering for it, but that won't be the case next year. And with the increases that already happened, with the um, changes to the international health care, with another uh, maximum allowable increase, international students could be paying up to $2,500 more on a four-course load in tuition if that happens again. And so we would want the administration to make sure to take those concerns seriously. Our look is that it will be a community that we need to build on and this is part of it. So we are 100% behind the loan combust gas. Thank you. Thank you, Aleem. When I say end poverty, I want you to say now, end poverty. End poverty. End poverty. October is Sustainability Month in Manitoba, and there are a number of initiatives being taken by the Office of Sustainability here at the University of Manitoba. If you were walking around University Center yesterday, you may have noticed a mountain of cups on display. This was on purpose. The idea is to help provide a snapshot of how many disposable cups the U of M as a whole uses on a weekly basis. Our news reporter, 
David Zarangi, spoke with the Promotion and Outreach Coordinator from the Office of Sustainability, Christine Aaron. She has an article on UM Today this week discussing the U of M's disposable cup use. David talked to her about the events during Sustainability Month, what the Office of Sustainability hopes to achieve, and how students can get involved. He also spoke with the leader of the Cup Mountain Project, U of M student Sidney Nicolaussen. Alexandra Caparelli, a U of M master's student in the Department of City Planning, also led a cleanup initiative in the forest area in Riverbank behind the Drake Center, U of M Asper School of Business, and David had a chance to chat with her as well. Please excuse the audio quality as the interview was done outside and it was a bit windy. Uh, well, Sustainability Month is actually like a national, it might even be international <laughs> month. Right. So October is it, um, and it just encourages local organizations to kind of take part in sustainable activities um, and encourage their people, their organizations, their employees, students, whomever, to get involved and be a little bit more aware about sustainability. Um, So our Sustainability Month, uh, it has a variety of different events, but lots of them we're trying to have it be a little bit more student-led. So we just started a volunteer ambassador program, but having them a little bit more involved in the things that are happening on campus so that Mm. there's that peer-to-peer mentorship and kind of... um, that transition of knowledge, I guess, right. to are our these, students. Are these students volunteered? They are. Okay. So students can volunteer with our office and get co-curricular record on their non-academic transcript. Um, so we have an ambassador program where they can choose either leadership or like event type stuff. Right. So some of these projects are leadership projects, um, and some of them are event uh, like event volunteers that are helping out run them. Um, so we have easy things like GoTober, which is just you have to go on to Go Manitoba and sign up and win prizes. Right. Uh, so that's a citywide, province, province-wide hmm. uh, competition run through Green Action Centre. Right. Uh, so we have our own subsite of Go Manitoba, so we're just promoting the use of that. Right. So that's an easy event of Sustainability and, Month, and right. really we promote that all year round. So it's just a bonus that we've named it GoTober. Right. And so, GoTober, that's the carpooling. Yeah, that's the carpool ride matching. Right site I guess yeah and you can also sign up to be a bike buddy or a walking mentor or a transit buddy Um, so there's lots of options through Go Manitoba. Trashless Tuesdays happen every Tuesday in October and essentially we walk around the university trying to find people that are using like reusable water bottles, reusable mugs, dishware, any type of stuff like that so encouraging that behavior yeah. yeah And then we give them something they don't have. So if they were using a reusable water bottle, we'll give them like reusable cutlery. So we kind of set them up with reusable things that kind of help them be more sustainable in their day-to-day life. It's super fun. And the volunteers go around and do that. So it's pretty easy to give away prizes to people. Right. Uh, so they really enjoy that activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also that peer pressure. So if you see everybody else doing it, uh, you're going to start buying into bringing your own mug and that kind right. of stuff, right? right. So all of our events are, like you said, outreaching. Right. Uh, so sustainability, U of M is still, if you look at like other big universities in the country, I don't think anybody would be like, you know what, U of M is top-notch sustainability. No. Like they are at the top of no. everything that we can possibly be doing. No, we're still definitely in like the learning phase of sustainability and no. so is Manitoba as a whole, right? Mm. Um, we have a long, long, long way to go. Um, so events like this are just the start of raising awareness, the right. start of kind of cultivating that gathering of people and finding the people that are actually passionate about it so right. that we can find the right people to get involved with sustainability. Right. Um, so that's challenging here. This place is huge. Right. Uh, so finding the right people to put on your team and to 
trudge forward. Uh, so lots of time we're asked to go talk to a class. Mm-hmm. So the, that part, we'll talk a little bit about the office and then how they can get involved through mm-hmm. like our living lab or go wrap program. Right. So we have a bunch of different programming that they can get involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they come to us, we usually put them through the volunteer ambassador program okay. just because then they're learning about sustainability, they're partnering with our office, they're learning who we are, mm-hmm. how we're learning what they do, and we're linking them up with other students who have similar interests. Right. So it kind of really depends how they come to us. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They said, yeah, let's do Cup Mountain. And I immediately identified with it because, um, like, a, a, it's a common sight on campus right. to see trash cans, like, absolutely overflowing with cups. And it's just dumb. Like, we don't have to do that. Like, I know Degrees and um, Stella's here, they have compostable cups, right? So, but Starbucks, Tim Hortons, that kind of stuff, those cups aren't even recyclable. A lot of people don't know that. They think they can be recycled. I thought they could be recycled until like four months ago, Mm. but they can't. So basically this is a problem that's completely preventable if like big retailers essentially would just shell out a little bit more money to get the more expensive compostable cup. But of course they won't Mm. because they have to maximize like profit margins and whatever. So it has to do with industry and the impact on the environment. They already had it in the works, so I said, sure, I'll take the reins on this one. Yeah, either you get a multiple-use vessel or we need a paradigm shift where we need to start eliminating the amount of plastic and non-recyclable products that we're putting onto Earth because they don't go away. No. They just stay there forever. Like, basically telling people to make better choices does not work. Right. You need to normalize those better choices. And a good way to do that is through visualizing it or through um, architecture, like the architecture of a building. If you build it up to represent sustainability and to sort of force people to make that better choice, they just will because it becomes normalized and ingrained in the culture. So I think visualizing it is pretty important for like facing your waste. Like it has to be sort of a crowd mindset shift because you have to be able to look at the people you know and say, oh yeah, they're on board with this too. Okay, so we don't know how many we have because we haven't counted them yet, right. and it it's still going up. Like there's people out collecting right now, mm. and when we're building the mountain, we're gonna invite people to give us their cups because it's right in eye shot of a Starbucks, right? Right. So we're gonna be collecting cups on the fly. So I don't have an answer on number of cups for you. Okay. Um, but it's a lot. Okay. And <laughs> uh, I, I said yesterday, Christy said. I think she counted 300, but that was it yesterday. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw what well, you guys collected yeah, that. It just, keeps, more. it just keeps going. Right. Over the spring or summer, I was kind of walking around here. I was actually drawn to this, like, art. I was like, what, right. what is this? Yeah. And then I started looking at the river, and I was like, what? What is this terrible mess? <laughs> yeah. This is really upsetting. Um, and I thought, you know, I was thinking about it a lot, and then I saw an opportunity to volunteer for the Office of Sustainability because I was I was looking for a job or something comparable because you can get um, student credit for volunteering. So I thought that that would be perfect. So we started talking about it in July, and I just did some research and talked to Physical Plant, and they're providing a lot of the equipment here, like the grabbers and the rakes and some of the bags. And, uh, yeah, today's the day. I am hoping to not only clean up a lot of the trash but also to kind of observe what kind of trash is down here um and just to get to know the river bank a little bit um you know i i I like to sort of think of the river as a friend of ours you know and we forget that a lot and people don't treat it like a friend so 
it's important to visit natural places and care for them and right. come to understand them. Right. right. And, you know, stewardship. Yeah, it's an absolutely. issue of stewardship. Absolutely. Have you ever wanted to catch up on what's going on at the University of Manitoba? UMFM has that. Have you ever wondered where you could find a convenient place to discover new local artists right here in the city that you live in? UMFM is that. Have you ever just wanted to listen to an hour and a half of indie, folk, and funk music, but then later on in the night you were in the mood to get a taste of what kind of music is there from around the world? You can do that, listening to UMFM. Look, the point is that there is just such a diverse range of programming here for both music and talk that whatever you're in the mood for, there's probably a spot in the day for it here at UMFM. By pledging and supporting UMFM, you not only continue to support the continued broadcasting of the diverse range of programming here, but you help support the potential for a new show to begin its journey to the ear holes. So remember, you can donate at umfm.com donate, or you can call at 204-474-6610. umfm.com donate, or 204-474-6610. On October 11th, 2018, the Feminist and Queer Collective here at the University of Manitoba had their launch party for their annual publication, The Feminist and Queer Review. It was the 10th anniversary edition of the publication. Quoting the mission statement from the 10th anniversary review, they state that we are a feminist and queer collective working to counter misconceptions surrounding women's and gender studies through the publication of an annual feminist and queer review. We are increasing awareness and knowledge of feminist and queer issues through the voices, opinions, and experiences of University of Manitoba undergraduate students from all faculties. We firmly believe in the multiplicity of meaning, and we therefore reject the idea of singular definitions. For this reason, we are often left with more questions than answers. But, through our publication, we strive to empower ourselves and other undergraduate students with the tools necessary to address these important questions. This publication will be a catalyst for change." End quote. Our news reporter, Shauna Matthews, attended the launch party and spoke with one of the editors of the review, Adriana King, about the publication. Shauna also spoke with Shauna Ferris, head of the Women's and Gender Studies program here at the University of Manitoba and advisor to the FAQ Collective, to talk about the momentum behind the publication, as well as some of the issues the Women's and Gender Studies program still faces today in terms of recognition as a university department. It's just a rare opportunity to be published as an undergraduate student, and um, so it's really exciting for us and the collective to get the opportunity to be on an editorial uh, in preparation for life, for grad school, for going on, which some of us plan to, but also to be published um, for those who have contributed, you can, they cannot be cited, which is awesome. We did a review as a collective and everything we made a decision uh, was unanimous based on feminist philosophies. Sorry. Um, unanimous decision making. Unanimous like everything was five between five people, so yeah, non hierarchical. Yeah, so that was never very difficult actually with the five of us. Yeah. I actually think we did really well. We did really We, we yeah. had how many? Over 40 submissions, maybe. Um, so we've met for hundreds of hours since February in co collaboration, like hot, hot summer nights in Karen's apartment. Every time, and every time at the bottom of our to-do list was like collage the cover, and we didn't get to it till September. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> we always pushed collage down to the bottom of our yeah, because just editing all of this work, contacting all the contributors, turned out to be a lot more work than we anticipated. 
but this event is the culmination of 10 months of labor, but in reality, far more than that because this work spans for some people like years back. So it's an annual publication supported through the Margaret Lawrence Endowment Fund, which is a fund that is spread between Brandon University, UW, and the U of M Women's and Gender Studies program. So the publication is free to be accessible. And so we owe all of that to Margaret Lawrence. So I'd love to know more about her. <laughs> it comes out not at the same time every year. It just really depends because we're all students. We're all full-time students whenever we can make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Full-time students, busy schedules. Yeah. Well, I was saying to the FAQ members um, earlier tonight, this is the first year that the Dean of Arts and uh, the Associate Dean of Research have actually showed up to our event. We've invited them every year. Um, so I've seen a little bit of momentum built. There was, I'm head of Women's and Gender Studies, so at one of the first heads meetings I went to last year, uh, the Associate Dean of Undergraduate Studies reported on FAQ and sort of claimed it as art. So I had to be like, and also Women's and Gender Studies. But it kind of, it puts us on the map, it gets people excited about the work that they do in our classes, and it really gives people the opportunity. Undergraduate students don't have a lot of opportunities to publish unless, like yourself, they work at a uh, as journalists. Why is it important important that the dean is here? Is it because we're not a department? We're not a department. <laughs> we're, we're not a program. We are a program. We're not a department. So that means we don't get seats at certain tables in the universe. We don't get as much funding as, a as someone who has a department status. And uh, our students do super important work, and it's nice to see them published. But it's also nice to up the profile because we are trying to be a department. We had an external review done a couple years ago, and they said, no, you can't. Well, the external reviewer said you should be a department. You have more students than some of the other actual departments. I actually think it's because um, women's and gender studies and feminist degree in the context of the university is a relatively new thing. Whereas English literature departments and philosophy departments have existed like since the beginning of the university in the Western context. Women's and gender studies is about 40 to 60 years old. So it's still sort of taking hold in a lot of places. But at UFW, it's a department. At the University of Alberta, it's a department. So there are presidents for it. I've noticed we get more people out to the launches. Yeah. I've noticed that more departments uh, get represented. So there are lots of students who are looking for venues to publish their work. And I've noticed just a momentum, like just a, a building of excitement around it and getting that word out. And, well, I think the program department thing is a good example of how uh, feminist work can get sidelined and um, forgotten. There are ways, for example, that like our one of the printing companies that was approached to print it refused to print our our book. Was were, that recently or yeah, was this that year? was this year. Oh, really? And it happened the first year too, I was reminded. So We didn't get our books till this afternoon because the second printer we got to it was such a late deadline for them. So it really kept us on our toes because of this resistance yeah. that we faced from a conservative binding company. Yeah. Um, and it's an important reminder, as, the, as I said at the introduction, that when we work in women's and gender studies, and maybe we organize in these contexts, we start to think that everyone's feminist, but they're not. 
um, and that it's a way to get the word out. So the more every year we, we publish more copies, I see them carried around more on campus, and it's a way for our students to think beyond the audience of one, which is a feminist thing to do. Right? Feminism is all about making what happens in the classroom uh, relevant in the community and what happens in the community relevant in the classroom and this is one of the conflicts to make that happen too. That should do it for today's episode of Tobin Tuesdays brought to you by the Manitoban here on 101.5 UMFM. Just a reminder that this week's issue of the Manitoban will be available on newsstands tomorrow, the same day as marijuana legalization. Our issue this week will contain articles on cannabis-based topics in each section. As well, all the interviews that you heard today are from stories that will also be available in the issue this week. Be sure to check those out. Once again, the interviews you heard today were provided by Malak Abbas, David Zarangi, and Shauna Matthews. The transition and intro music that you heard today was produced by Kenny Ingram. And the entire episode was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Joe Gonzalez. And remember, if you want to support the show, support UMFM, this week is Pledgerama, and you can show your support by donating online at umfm.com forward slash donate or calling the pledge line at 204-474-6610. That's umfm.com forward slash donate or 204-474-6610. We thank you for listening to today's episode of Tobin Tuesdays, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah.